I think the thing that we are missing very often is remembering how connected, how we are all so intricately connected that these stories that may seem so far away absolutely impact all of us. And I think that that is the unifying thread through not just my work, but all these artists who have come together. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, today we are doing something special. Today, we have a chance to do good. We have a chance to actually change the world a little bit, because today we're talking with Amy Vitali. Amy is a photographer for National Geographic. She's a Nikon ambassador. If, if there's an A-list to the A-list, Amy is on this list. Um, her list of credits goes everywhere. Not not only did InStyle Magazine name her as one of the 50 badass women of all time, her work has been in every major magazine o- around the planet. You know her work probably most from either her conflict photography or a series that, that was world famous a while ago about the last uh, African white rhinos and, and their passing. It is heartfelt work. It is compelling work. It is the very best, I believe, of what uh, photojournalism and and, and environmental photography can be. Amy, I am really, really proud to have you on the podcast today, and we've got a project to talk about. But first of all, how are you doing? How's life out in Montana today? Thank you. It is such a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for that lovely introduction. Well, it, it is certainly my pleasure. You know, normally with these podcasts, we begin with, you know, how somebody got into photography and we work sort of up to current projects. I want to go just the opposite direction today because you've got something that's time sensitive. We're recording this on December 1st. You have a project that ends at the end of this month. And this is a project everybody you can help out with. So, Amy, tell us about Vital Impacts. Tell us about this project you've got going on. Thank you. It is probably one of the most extraordinary lineup of artists, photographers, heroes, really conservation heroes. I'm really proud to talk about it. Even Jane Goodall has offered never before made available prints of photographs that she made in Tanzania back in the early 60s with her groundbreaking work with chimpanzees. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, I mean, the list of photographers are people that you you will probably know of, really heavy hitters like Paul Nicklin, Jimmy Chin, Nick Brandt, uh, Beth Moon. I mean, it's just a really astonishing lineup of artists that typically you know, are, are in the, the finest art galleries around the world. Mm-hmm. Well, they've come together to contribute their work all in the name of conservation. And we will be contributing to four conservation groups for their critical work around the globe. And we also, it's just really exciting because I've kind of 
curated this astonishing group. And it's, you know, from the finest, well-known photographers to really young emerging talent that you may never have heard of, that their work is just beautiful. So, so basically it's been about four months of curation and reaching out to people that I never dreamed would take part. And they said, yes. And so it's really this opportunity to buy beautiful work that has story behind each image. I mean, that's the thing that I think makes it so unique is that each image has a powerful story and message. And the work of these artists is diverse, but the one thing that I think unites everybody is their commitment to the environment, to this planet. We, we are certainly at a moment with the environment that needs attention. And everybody, you're listening to this. Um, I forgot to tell you, vitalimpacts.org is, is the website you've got to go to. You mentioned that there, there were four organizations that this is going to support. Uh, that's the Big Life Foundation, the Great Plains Foundation's Project Ranger, uh, Jane Goodall's Institute, Roots and Shoots, and then Sea Legacy. Tell me how you decided on these four. T- tell me, actually, even go before that. You're sitting around in your living room one night and you're thinking, I got an idea. T- tell me how you got from the idea to the four organizations, then how you call up people like James Balog and say, I got an idea. Well, I've been doing it sort of slowly over time uh-huh. uh, in the sense that, you know, I've done a lot of fundraisers, particularly through the pandemic. I think that these print sales are, you know, there's been an explosion of print sales, but I really wanted this one to be different in that the the prints that you buy are really really well done in the sense that from the from the actual printing process I have incredible labs they're all carbon neutral by the way we plant a tree for every print that is made and mm-hmm. um, and so from the actual print to the artist I wanted it to be a little bit different in that these are really exclusive prints so that I want people that that are interested in collecting fine art to to get engaged, but also to make prints available at different price points. And so I was just trying to think about how to do it differently. I think the origin, I mean, I feel like I am out there covering some of the, I just got back from covering this devastating drought in Kenya where, you know, we don't often hear about it. And I see the impacts of, of what is happening to this planet every day. I mean, this is what my work is about. And I just feel like we don't have time anymore. There's, we all know that. I mean, if you're paying attention, you know that, but I also believe in the power of photography. I know that we need to do more than just think about these things. I think that photography is this wonderful way of connecting the heart and the brain to make you emotionally engaged. I want people to put this work up in their homes and feel it, think about it, embrace it, and and want to become more engaged. I feel like we have to sort of start falling in love with the world around us and, and that it's not going to be just this intellectual thing 
with just facts and science that engages people and makes us move to you know another place and and make us all more activist in our in what we do i think it is about connecting art and and that can be a catalyst to move us all. Oh, absolutely. I, I love this idea of buying quality photography, of buying fine art as an act of support, as an act of uh, activism, you know, at, at a little bit of a distance. And, and it strikes me that this has been at the heart of your work since the very beginning. I was watching oh, either one of your YouTube videos or something, and you were telling the story about your first real assignment. You know, you got this grant from the Alexia Foundation and you went over to West Africa and, and you pointed out that the stories we knew at that time were, you know, important, but also you know, pretty commonplace, you know, whether it was war and famine or whether it was, you know, interesting animals. And you went to find a new narrative. Is is, is that who you are? Are, are you the, the let me find something more real and, and more truthful and more impactful? I think all these stories are real. I think the thing that we are missing very often is remembering how connected, how we are all so intricately connected that these stories that may seem so far away absolutely impact all of us. And I think that that is the unifying thread through not just my work, but all these artists who have come together for this initiative. They understand these universal shared truths and also that a shared concern for the planet is going to be what saves all of us. I, I think that the other piece of this is that you can't look at any of this work and not feel something. To look at it from such radically unique visions, because all of the art is so different. This is not just a series of beautiful wildlife pictures. Right. It's actually, I think that's what makes this so pressing and unique and and I think helps everybody find a way in because I know you can turn on the news or, you know, listen to the news and it can feel overwhelming and hopeless. And I think the one piece of it is to remember, I mean, Jane Goodall just came out with this book about hope and, and that is what we all need right now is to remember that it's important to remain hopeful and find the stories and the, the ways in for all of us to save what's left, to become engaged. It's not all over. This planet is beautiful. It is, there's so much left worth saving, but we all have to make it a priority. And I think that not enough, enough of us are actively engaged in the future of the planet right now. I mean, that's what this whole initiative is about. It's, it's just trying to show people that we can all be a part of this. You, yeah. you, you, you say several times, you know, in, in your online presence that your mission is to find and photograph stories of hope. And I, I'm humbled when I read that because I'm thinking, yeah, that's what we should all be doing. We, we should all be that proactive in getting out there and, and giving, giving witness to to hope and the promise of, of what we should be doing. Tell me why these four? What, why are these four foundations the ones that you decided to support? 
Well, I reached out to people that are heroes of mine in some way. And there's so many organizations to support, but Jane Goodall, and you know, they say you should never meet your hero, but I have to say (laughs) she is as authentic as it gets. So, I mean, I've had the opportunity to meet her a few times and she is as real as it gets. I love her work. It's really interesting because so many young people doing great conservation. For example, I work so much in Kenya and some of the young people I work with that are dedicating their lives to, you know, working with wildlife and want, and, you know, they're the next generation of conservationists. And you know what? When I announced this, so many of them wrote me, called me up and they said, oh my goodness, do you know I started because of Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots program? And I was so touched because she literally has created generations of people that are out there committing their lives to protecting wildlife, to protecting the planet. So she was a no-brainer for me. Jane Goodall is as real as it gets. So that's why I picked Roots and Shoots. Then I, you know, Nick Brandt is a photographer, an artist who I've admired for quite a long time. And I, what I love so much about his work is that he has been so committed to using his art to then, you know, give back to these communities that he works so closely with. And so um, all, all of the the uh, prints and the sales will go back to the Big Life Foundation, which is a really, you know, uh, specific landscape in Kenya. It's the Amboseli region. And, you know, I love showing that, you can, we can all use different ways. For him, it was using his art to give back to this specific place. And then same thing, Beverly Jobert is another female hero of mine, an incredible filmmaker and photographer who did the same thing. She created the Great Plains Foundation And this is going back to Project Ranger, which is funding rangers all over Africa. So, you know, she's another person that I've I've long followed and admired. And then Paul Nicklin and his partner, Christina Minnemeyer, have created Sea Legacy. And it actually started where I called them up and asked them to contribute to this. And then they said, oh, we're actually about to launch a print sale. And I said, you know what, why don't you just join my, my initiative? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they just, you know, rather than competing, let's just work together. And I really do believe that the more we all unite and support one another, the better we're all going to be. And that is really the the genesis of this project. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. 
You know, you're making me wonder here a little bit because I have, you mentioned Nick Brand. I've got his new book right here on my desk, The Day May Break. And in the back of it, he has a way to contribute to, you know, the worthy projects that, that, that he's forwarding. And it dawns on me, you don't see a lot of other art forms doing this. Um, do you think there's something particular about photography that compels people to become more active or, or to be or to give a little bit more to a foundation? Is, is there something about the art form itself that lends itself to what you're doing? I think it's the most literal in some ways way of storytelling. Absolutely. But- but, you know, interestingly, I like my phase two is to engage different kinds of artists for the next iteration of this. But I think that I think that so many of us, you know, we are out there seeing the day to day realities. And and, you know, I think that personally, it's just that I'm so connected to this community specifically. I mean, I work so closely with a lot of these artists, so it was an easy ask. But I think that you bring up a really interesting point. I think a lot of artists do care and are engaged. And, you know, we just have to, we have to bring them together. Uh, And, you know, the minute you say that, I'm also thinking every musician in the world is now you know, sending me a hate letter saying, wait a minute, no. Well, well, <laughs> there, there, there's, there's a lot of music that's gone this way, too. Absolutely. And, you know, Dave Matthews has already, I've already collaborated with him. He was amazing. I met him in the middle of a blizzard at the Standing Rock protest a few years ago, got stuck in a bar with him for 10 hours, and at the end of 10 hours, convinced him to come to Kenya with me. And he launched an incredible fundraiser for Ritetti Elephant Sanctuary and has, you know, really committed himself and is super engaged. So you're right. Like artists of all types are absolutely engaged. There, there, there's something about the emotional appeal that that I think is essential. And and I've got to chuckle. You met you met D- Dave Matthews in a blizzard, and, and let's go to Africa. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, nice 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 solution for the blizzard there. And, and I should tell everybody that the Dave Matthews bit is part of your online um, presence. You can see a short film because you are indeed a filmmaker and a writer as well as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, there's one question I, I really want to ask you. You began uh, your career, you know, photographing uh, in West Africa, but then you turned to conflict photography. You turned to war. Tell me why you made that turn, and then tell me why you made the turn away from that uh, back into endangered species. You know, I realized after a decade of covering the horrors of the world that there was this profound truth that I had been telling stories about people stories about the human condition, but at the backdrop of every single one of those stories was the natural world. You know, in some cases, it was the scarcity of basic resources like water. In others, it was the changing climate and the loss of fertile lands. But always, it was the demands placed on our ecosystem that drove conflict and human suffering. And then I began to realize that Instead of covering the end of the story, which was the conflicts, I needed to go back and talk about what we're doing to this planet and also give people a way forward. What do we do with that? What are the solutions? Is there hope? And it turns out there is hope. There is you know, so much work being done and that 
I needed to shine a light and amplify some of those voices that are out there every single day doing something about it. Oh, that that is ab- absolutely profound. I love this notion of taking it as your mission to photograph hope. I want to come back to the work. I want to come back to the project, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask because there's, I mean, a lot of people really do find inspiration in these stories. How in the world did you wind up becoming who you are? I mean, I know you say, you know, you went through the normal awkward phase of being a kid and then a camera opened a window for you. Say more. I mean, how did that happen? Well, I think I was like a lot of young people who are painfully shy, gawky, afraid of others, and perhaps this planet looks terrifying sometimes. And and yes, photography, the second I picked up the camera, it just really made me, I felt like superwoman. I literally felt like I had this hidden, you know, um, superpower with the camera. And as I kind of got further along, I realized that the most extraordinary thing wasn't that it was this tool for my own self-empowerment. The more extraordinary thing is that photography can be this tool that amplifies other people's voices and stories and connects you to, you know, people and places and other animals, perhaps, whatever it may be. It is the ultimate connector and the ultimate tool for empathy. And I think that's what happened for me. It is, you know, for me, photography is this tool for empathy. Empathy Mm -hmm. is the greatest gift we can all have. Empathy will be what saves us all. Do you remember an early image where you looked at it and you said that you might have a voice here? You might have some talent? Oh, no. You know, I'm always very critical of my own work and (laughs) I have never thought, oh, that's good. I think that No, I don't remember one specific image. I do remember how important all these stories are. And I mean, I'll just flash back to a few. You know, I think it's sort of, you mentioned it earlier, but the the last Northern white male rhino, when he passed away, you know, I had been covering this story for a decade and, and realized this was historically a very important moment because it signaled the end of an entire ancient species. And if that was not our wake up call, what else was, you know, you had to be a robot not to care. And I think there's so many stories and frankly, it's about, the, the people I meet along the way. I mean, I think it's about going deep into different stories, taking the time to slow down and get engaged. And photography is one tool for sharing, you know, these important moments. You're bringing up a really fascinating point because I mean, I, I, you're absolutely right. Patience is one of the great tools in photography that we don't talk about very much. To to go as you, know, as you, did, you know, when you went over to do your first story in, in West Africa, you went for a couple of weeks. That became a couple of months. You didn't go for a Tuesday afternoon, and yet our tool is you know divide seconds into you know one five thousandth of a second. You, we seem to be battling 
the ability to move very, very quickly. And it's tough to slow down. It's, it's tough to be patient. Do, do you find yourself having that issue or is that, that kind of patience not a problem for you? <laughs> well, when I'm in the moment working, no, I have infinite patience, but then it's just getting home and wanting to, I want the world to know about, you know, I think it's about this anxiety that you see these critical moments and critical you know, just realizing the sense of urgency now that we don't, you know, kind of connecting the science of this moment and, and then the impact that, that we are having on the planet and seeing it firsthand. I think very often in many Western kind of countries where we're in, you know, we have a relative amount of security and, and comfort, and it's very easy to not realize how, how there is a great sense of urgency in this moment. I think I become very impatient the second I get home. I want people to know and care. But when I'm there, when I'm with people and telling these stories, it's beautiful. And I just want to flash back to one anecdote from when I first got started. Mm -hmm. I spent six months living with a actually a family with all their children in a mud hut in Guinea-Bissau, no running water, no electricity, no health care. And I was able to slow down and really learn how the majority of people on the planet live. And it was only on my last night when I was getting ready to leave and the children in, you know, I learned Pular, the language, and they were asking me a million questions about my return home to America. Amy, do you have mangoes there? Do you have cashews? And, you know, all of these questions. And then Alio, one of my best buddies there, looked up at this sea of stars, this beautiful full moon, and kind of innocently asks me, do you have a moon in America? And I promise you, I think of him all the time. I mean, years have gone by. Every time I see a full moon, I am reminded of Alio and I am reminded of what it means to be human. And that, you know, when you think about the moon from its perspective, looking down on our planet, you realize that we, you know, it is like this collective third eye. We do share this planet. We are in this beautiful, intricate web together, whether we understand it or not. And that I left there knowing what my mission is. It is to talk about the things that connect us, talk about um, our shared humanity, because and, and the wonder of the world, how beautiful and wondrous this world really is. And I think that's what I just want to leave people with. And also that is why I started Vital Impacts, because I believe that we can all impact one another in this profound and you know vital way. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, if anything... The takeaway message here is go look at the work on the, on the website. Even if you can't afford anything, just go get inspired and get engaged in your own backyard because 
my takeaway message today is that we all can be doing so much more than we realize. All of us have a role to play and all of our voices matter. Absolutely. I, I'm looking at the website now and the list of names. Um, do describe for everybody, you have sort of two tiers here. You have the limited edition photographers and the open edition photographers. What is the difference? Well, you know, so the limited edition photographers, these are photographers that sell in really high-end galleries. They don't often offer their work on the internet. And, you know, it was really a lot to get them to agree to, to sell it here. We have, you know, hand signed very, a handful of hand signed prints by Jane Goodall to, you know, really extraordinary work. These prints are really like when we say limited edition, it means that they don't, they're not limitless. Like there's a handful of them. So it's like one of 15 or one of 20. So it's a really exclusive offering. But then we also have this range of photography in the open edition section, which is, you know, everyone from the most famous artists to newly emerging artists that are extraordinary. But we wanted to offer diversity in viewpoint and narrative and and also diversity in price point. So, you know, everything, we have weekly flash sales, so you can get in on this offer for just $100, all the way up to, you know, Nick Brandt's $30,000 print, which you know, <laughs> some I hope will buy it because, you know, it is an exclusive thing to have. That, that would be something to have. Um, the sale ends on December 31st. Why? why? Why not just put this up there and let it go into perpetuity? Oh, you know, I think that all good things must come to an end. And so, you know, we'll do more of these over time. But this group of artists, we wanted to offer this for the holidays and, and then, you know, close it and, and think about the next one in the spring. Well, I, I'm excited to hear that. I love a phrase you used just a, a minute ago when you talked about both urgency and hope. And, and, and you know, the, the urgency of hope is exactly what this whole project seems to be about. Climate change is is urgent. We cannot ignore it anymore. And every single one of these images is, is a way to provoke hope. This is impressive and necessary work. Everybody, again, it's, you know, amyvitali.org, or I'm sorry, amyvitali.com for your website, and then vitalimpacts.org for the actual project. How's the response been so far? Pretty good. So I have an ambitious goal. I'm hoping we can sell a million dollars of prints. And oh, my heavens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with your podcast, we can do yeah. that. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that this is really a unique moment for all of us to reimagine, reimagine our relationships with each other, with the planet we live on. And I hope that it just inspires people to to care for all the critters we share the world with. Absolutely. And and. People that know your work, of course, of course, know about the panda project and they know about uh, the elephants and, the, and they know about the rhinoceroses. There's there is so much out there to admire and, and be uh, aware of, of how we are affecting them, not in very good ways. But I, you know, I think it's really also important to realize, like, 
it, it, the world seems hopeless sometimes if you only turn on the news. And I just want to share one incredible anecdote that happened because of the pandemic. So I've been working with this elephant sanctuary in Northern Kenya called Riteti Elephant Sanctuary. And, and be, it was because of the pandemic, they made one of their greatest discoveries. So basically they have been buying very expensive milk formula that come in cans to feed the baby elephants. And because of the pandemic, there was a moment where they were having a slowdown in getting some of the milk formula to them. And, and so they started to experiment and it was the goats to the rescue. They started to experiment with goat milk and the goat milk turned out to be better than the expensive milk formula. And so they went from a about 50% survival rate to a 98% survival rate because of the goat milk formula. And then the best part of the story is all that money, which was being sent out of the community, is now being pumped back into the women who own the goats. And they have gone and set up bank accounts and are sending their kids to school and reinvesting that money. And I just want to say, you know, when things seem so depressing, you know, particularly during the last year and a half with the, the pandemic and all of the impacts of that, there were these stories that we don't often hear about. And it was this moment where we're allowed to reimagine how we go forward, how we do things. And I just wanted to leave people with that story because I just think this is a moment to reimagine how we're going to redo the future. I I hope everybody takes that story to heart. And and frankly, I hope everybody goes to Vimeo and watches the uh, the video about Shaba the elephant and what is going on there. Your work is empowering people at every level, uh, whether it's, you know, indigenous or local or women or, you know, you name it. You, you seem to have a knack for creating a kind of integrity. And I hope people, um, I hope they participate in the project. I hope they go look at this stuff. Uh, folks, if you're listening to this, we have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity to take our craft and, and make a real difference. I hope you join the project. Uh, Amy, thank you very much. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Scott. You are a joy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.